I'm Ren Young. And I'm Katrina Vargas. And this this is That Other F Word. In their relationship between my parents, his was very much, okay, because I am the breadwinner, right? Like, I also say kind of what goes, or I have like kind of the final stamp of approval in terms of how the kids are raised. Um, And so growing up, You know, and again, I don't think there was ever anything, look, right, like the whole thing about white supremacy is that it's not, you know, it's not always this, it's not always Klan members, right? Like white supremacy can, is is just embedded in kind of every facet of our society, but it doesn't always take this very, um, you know, overt, like vicious, angry thing. Sometimes people people may not even know that they're operating under white supremacy and they may have all the best intentions. And so as I kind of look at it, you know, growing up, right. Like I think a lot of the things, and again, he may not have intended to, I don't think there was necessarily malicious intent, but you know, we were taught like, yeah, there are communities that you don't associate with, or you don't drive through. Um, There are, you know, one of the things that I really distinctly remember growing up is he always commented kind of how, you know, dirty and loud like our New Jersey relatives' houses were. And he didn't like that, didn't like that they drank alcohol because he grew up in um, basically like they were kind of teetotalers, um, the, the church that he kind of grew up in. Um, you know, so there were a lot of things. And look, like alcohol, big part of Latin culture, I mean, for better or for worse. And look, I mean, it's just a part of Latinx culture. Um, again, being louder than, you know, he grew up in a very repressed like Midwestern culture. Like, yeah, compared to that, they are loud. Um, you know, so all of these things that, you know, were really upon reflecting as an adult, right, were just part of their culture. You know, I was kind of taught to think like, I mean, look, different strokes were different folks, but that's not how we are. That's fine for them, but that's not how we are. We keep a clean, you know, he always used to say when I was growing up, like when your grandmother visits, you know, the floor should be so clean that she can lick it. So, you know, there were all these kind of standards about growing up, um, you know, you've got to have a formal dining room. You've got to, you know, do all of this. This is what it looks like to have Christmas. And this is what, you know, it looks like to celebrate holidays and this, you know, all of these things, you know, I don't think he realized it, but he was really kind of imposing sort of white ideals. Well, of course not. I mean, and this is what you talk about, like deprogramming his very white heteronormative. I mean, he's, if you were saying this is a heteronormative relationship. This is exactly yeah. what every single, you know, like middle-aged heteronormative relationship sounds like. I mean, to be honest with you, it's, it's so, but, but he had, I mean, look, but this is a guy who ultimately then marries a Latin dude. So. Yeah. And I mean, he's a product of his generation. I mean, and his, I think it's, it's yeah. hard, you know, we all kind of have to be deprogrammed from what our parents did to us. Okay. This isn't new. It's not unique. It's all of us. Every one of us no one can fuck you up like your parents. I mean, and so, I mean- Can I ask you guys a question? Yeah. So first I wanna say that listening to you describe those two uh, sides of your family, one sounds a lot more fun than the other. Um. <laughs> like 
I'm all about the one. I'm not gonna lie. Like I was like, I'll take the messy house and the alcohol any can, day. Can we um, get now? <laughs> so as even even a progressive, boring Protestant white person, it does feel like a minefield sometimes as to what is right and what is wrong, and especially like Katrina's like all these people are getting blasted for cultural appropriation and. Um, no, I have Hamza earrings and <laughs> love them. And as you have told me, Lewis, I say more Yiddish things than not Yiddish things. Um, <laughs> hold on one second. Oh, oh, Shane was giving me, we have Hamza's on our wall. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I thought he was telling me something was wrong. Um, and so I guess I'm just wondering, like, what is, what is the right way to be? as a white, like what is, what is bad and what is wrong and offensive and what is just like appreciating other cultures? You know what I mean? I think part of the problem is there's no right or there's no right way to be. There's wrong ways to be. That's for sure. We know those, but like I, for me, that's the problem, right? We're trying to be so right in all of it. I think that's where like, we're fucking everything up because we're not, then we're ultimately are we going to not learn them because I might could be culturally appropriating, like all of that kind of stuff. And so there's not a right way to be. I think there are wrong ways to be like, you're not allowed to do certain things, of course, but. But it's not offensive to you when I use Yiddish words. It's not, I remember. <laughs> you need to like, I also think people work at being offended, by the way. Let me start with that. I think that people really, they just want to be offended and they're looking for reasons to be offended. I I love it. I think it's great. I think that it helps people like me to fit in, even though I don't really care or not to, but like, then it's like, but I'm not selling Yidd like t-shirts with Yiddish phrase on them to make a buck. That might be weird. Right. I wouldn't care. <laughs> I mean, I think for me, right. Like, I think it's just the whole big thing is like, for me, like you do you you know, and I'll do me. And, you know, when we come to get, like, if we come together in the workplace, like, let's figure out how to make those things mix, but let's not just default to whiteness as the correct thing to be. So I think about, right, like going back to, this is something we both said, um, you know, people thinking that, and this is, I mean, I think this is common across um, a lot of, uh, a lot of, um, communities of color is the whole loudness thing, right? Because white people are very quiet, um, generally. Um, and until so, you know, rowdy. until you get them rowdy. Yeah. And then okay to be loud. Um, but you know, but generally like that is like a very, that is a very common kind of racial thing from white people is like, why are black and brown people so loud? Why do they have to play such loud music? And why do they have to be so loud when they're talking and all of this stuff? And, you know, on the, on the, the, the least harmful, but still, you know, harmful side, it's just making kind of common, you know, microaggression kind of comments like that. And then I think on the most extreme, like violence side, there was that case um, I was just Googling it now to, to remember that this wasn't something I was imagining, but um, in 2012, right, there was a teenager, Jordan Davis, uh, in Florida, who was shot by a man um, because the man thought that his music was too loud. And I believe, um, I believe Jordan Davis was, was black. Um, 
And, and so, you know, that's like the, the complete, you know, that's, that's why I think it's, it's, that's the kind of most violent expression of that thought, but they're all part of the same tree, right? And so that's why, I mean, these, these, these kind of conflating what is normal with what is white can be so harmful because then it can lead things like that. And so, you know, and I don't, I don't know that anyone has a, has a good answer. I mean, something our school has been doing during this most recent hiring season, as we fill out kind of our, our feedback forms on candidates is saying, you know, what did you think about how they presented that's not the exact question, but it's it's something like that. And one of our new hires, our dean of faculty, who is an Afro-Latina, and she's awesome. She's fantastic. I'm so excited to work with her. She had us put that in there. Um, and she said, you know, because it's something we mean that people may be thinking about unconsciously. So, like, let's just put it out in the open. Um, and that's the thing. Like, what is, you know, what is considered professional attire? Um, that's so subjective and so so different by culture. I mean, in the Southwest, right? Um, lots of people wear the bolo ties, but if you wear that in New England, like somebody's probably gonna look at you kind of strangely and, and maybe they will um, judge you a little more because you're not wearing the traditional, you know, Windsor knot um, fabric tie. So that's the thing. I just think, you know, I think if we can get to a place as a society where we just recognize that I have my experiences and my own preferences and those are fine and you have your own way of living and and that's that's great too and when we all come together you know we can figure out how to mix them together and how to make something that doesn't prioritize one or the other and that's not easy work that's going to be really difficult work and it's difficult work now organizations and communities and churches and everywhere else where people from different walks of life and different cultural and ethnic and racial backgrounds mix and mingle but we have to do it um, because we we can't we can't be in a place anymore where the default standards that people are judged against or um, have to abide to are, are simply you know white kind of anglo-saxon protestant standards well i mean i definitely i definitely agree with that and you know, part of what I had to learn too. So it's, I feel like everybody like is mad when somebody's not like them. That's like their first reaction. Like, and they get like really, you know, and um, I've always said like, I don't like mean girls as a byproduct of mean girls. Like when you become a mean girl in a different way, like I was, I had to really be careful not to go and do the exact kind of same thing back and be like, really like kind of ugly and shitty to people who I thought were kind of backwards and, and uneducated, or at least uneducated about like other cultures and everything. Cause I've thought to myself as that's my natural inclinations, like, you know, you're a backwards idiot was to say, you know, they just don't know. And if I come at them with this aggressive you know, manner, they're never going to understand. And they're never, it's never going to work. Like we have to I have to say, look, where I don't love that and I don't appreciate it, they don't have my experience. They can't know it. And so I'm going to, I'm going to help educate them. I'm going to try to show them that somebody who's just not just like you doesn't make that person a bad person, you know? And so, you know, it's, it's interesting. Like you said, we're getting there. Um, 
I would like to ask, you know, we talked about the whole, you know, Megan Kelly pulling her kids out of school because mm-hmm. you're, you know, so you're at a school and what do you think about that, Lewis? Uh, it was very, and I, you know, I was actually going to send a text to Ren about that last <laughs> night because I just listened to that episode yesterday um, when I was driving down to Massachusetts to pick up some furniture. And also as just a quick aside, I just want to say it really warmed my heart when I don't remember who said it. I think it might have been Ren or Mitchell um, who said, you know, it's that we're going to be in a place where people from non-traditional families can see themselves in potato heads. And I agree because I was, I grew up in a non-traditional family and it does matter and it is important. I mean, there were no, you know, gay potato heads when I was growing up. Um, so that's just a quick aside, you know, for the, the, the weekly listeners. But um, yeah, the Megan Kelly thing is really interesting to me because I do think... You know, I so actually I'm a I'm a pretty frequent Bill Maher listener, um, and you know, and a lot of progressives don't like him. A lot of people find him very off-putting and sexist and racist and all that stuff. Um, I don't I don't disagree that sometimes he definitely does uphold you know those kind of things. Um, but I also like to listen to him because he will have conversations that progressive just won't have. And he will invite people like Megyn Kelly um, onto his show, which progressives just won't entertain. Um, so I think, you know, I think there's room for that. Um, and, you know, I get offended when he like tells like, because I'm Catholic and he tells a lot of Catholic jokes because he grew up a Catholic and doesn't like Catholics now. Um, so sure, I get like offended every now and then, but I don't think that like he should be you know, I don't think that that's a reason not to listen just because, you know, every now and then he takes a shot at like part of me. Um, he takes yeah. a shot at everybody. I, I would say it's not personally, he's not like no. literally digging at Lewis. He's just right. the whole, I mean, he's a little bit of a douche. Of course. But like, yeah. He's also the last place on bit, television. Yeah. I mean, come on. He's We're the all- last place on television that people of really, really different views actually have conversations together. Yes. Absolutely. And so the whole Megyn Kelly thing, going back to your question, I think it's interesting because I think, you know, I think that school was, there are some things that the school was doing. I don't know. I hope, I don't know if both of you listened to the whole interview and for anyone who's listening to the podcast, I would encourage you to listen to that whole interview between her and Bill, because, you know, some of the things she was saying, and again, like, who knows how much of it is true, who knows how much of it is exaggerated, but there's certainly got to be a element somewhere um you know she was saying right like that the school made the kids write letters to the cleveland um baseball team and made them you know write letters about like you're racist and you need to change um your baseball team's name and all of this stuff and so i think there for me me personally there is like an element of I I absolutely like our school is doing a great job about social justice requirements and curriculum. And, you know, we have a great head of school who is really making, like I said, hiring more people of color to reflect the student body. But I think there is a line where teaching about this stuff and asking people to engage in the conversations, that's one thing when you have them, when you mandate specific actions, like you must make an act of protest and you must write this letter and send it 
um, that does feel like it crosses a line for me a little bit because that to me more is a parent's job is to decide, okay, you know, you've learned about all this stuff in school as a family, let's talk about how we want to do this stuff, you know, in the world. And I don't know that it's a school. I think it's absolutely a school's place to provide avenues and resources for activism and for those who want to be activists and who want to do that work. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a school's job to mandate activism and to say, okay, you've learned all this stuff. Now you must do activism and you must do it in this way. Um, Because, you know, again, even within activist circles, I mean, not everybody agrees on the same things. And so, you know, who is to say like what the correct you know, causes to fight for are or are not. And so that's, and so if, if that is true, like what Kelly said, um, I can understand why she and other, and like she said, there were other progressive parents that she's friends with and they took their kids out too. And to me, that probably is because there was a line crossed. And I think she said in that interview that the school actually did have to apologize for, I don't know if it was that letter or if it was something else, but there was a realization from school that they crossed the line and they did have to issue some sort of apology. It seems like in talking about this and then also what we've been talking about for the rest of the episode, as far as kids and really everybody goes, it's more important how to think about things and how to approach things than what to think, right? Like, because I was thinking earlier when we were talking about how, you know, the right way and the wrong way. And I think like not making assumptions is really important when you're talking to people. Um, but also, you know, I had working in in my, the job that we both worked at, you know, there was a staff person who was curious about someone, a person of color and asked them a question in a way that was really offensive to them. (laughs) Uh, it was actually my student worker that I ended up having to take up the chain. And it was, I don't think he meant anything bad by it. I think that he was being curious, but there's a right way and a wrong way to be curious. And I think that we all owe their respect in a way, right? I will say, you know how you said, you talked about assuming, you know, because of where and how I grew up, I just don't ever assume anything of people. Um, because honestly, Louis, you're talking about, I have a lot, I have had Guatemalan clients and I have a person who helped raise me. My neighbor is Guatemalan growing up and he was a very important person in my life and and then all the latins in my life I don't know that it ever you know I've met latino people that look like Rin I've met latino people that look like you like me um there's such a variety so like for me I'm like oh no I just eventually your cultural background may come out or not and I don't know it doesn't really matter unless there's something like we like in like we can talk about like we can enjoy especially if it's food. Um, I'm all about it. Like (laughs) if we can like, if we can get there and talk about those kind of things and cool it, but if not, whatever, I mean, it always kind of weirds me out when people are really inquisitive about that, just because I, I'm not used to it just because I didn't, there was so much going on. There were so many kinds of people there. There's not a single kind of human being I did not encounter by the time I was in kindergarten. I mean, listen, we whites are very curious because we have nothing going on. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I will say like, I feel like, 
I think that's a great mantra. Just, I mean, your mantra, your constant mantra on the show, just don't be jerks. Yeah. And then, you know, I think also your mantra of like, don't assume things about people is also a good one because I think more in this job than other jobs. And look, this is a good job. I work with a lot of great people. Um, That said, it's not a perfect institution. And I think one of the things I run into, or at least, you know, early on when I was the only employee of color in the 2019, 2020 school year, something that I ran into like quite frequently and people may not have even realized they were doing it, but it was like, Hey, can you weigh in on this issue of like race or, 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 you know, basically equity and inclusion kind of thing. And it's like, and then, then now I'm very passionate about this work. It's like work that I really like to do. Um, and work that I continue to educate myself in and grow in and and want to learn more about and all of that stuff but at the same time like I don't have all the answers either like I am not a not a perfect person and I can I can I cannot speak for all people of color I can only speak from my I can speak for all Latinos because like you said the Latino experience is very very different from group to group um so I cannot answer you know I should not be like your default person no one should though not no No. one person should ever be but if you have to be that person I mean if you're like you who is aware and you know look we should all be aware of our faults or our lacking our areas that we lack in and so you knowing that does make you vital and essential I found myself in that role with a number of things I've had you know I sit on the steering committee for big brothers big sisters and our our head guy over. We get there. it. You're very wanted and popular and necessary to the goings on in this community. Okay. I am not, but send <laughs> me something and be like, hey, you just I need another set of eyes just to make sure we haven't done something that could potentially. And my response to him is, hey, I can't speak for all of it, but I can tell you if you're being offensive to like some Latinos and Jews. I mean, not all of them. Not good at any of it, but you know. Sure, I will, because I do have a, a, a unique perspective. Um, and I do pick up on that stuff because I've been so aware of it here. <laughs> because, you know, when it's happened, I'm like, oh my God, you know. Oh my gosh. You know what I just realized? We didn't ask Lewis the guest questions. <laughs> oh, <laughs> we guessed it so long. Gosh, it's that's crazy. right. I remember you all used to do those. Yeah. Oh no, we're gonna do it right now. Oh yeah, I'm gonna find it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I will say, yeah. I mean, just like as you're kind of looking those up, yeah. I mean, I try to do the same thing. Um, and so, you know, one of the big projects that I've been working on for over a year now, and it just hasn't moved forward just because everyone's been so busy with COVID and all of that, but doing a revamped kind of style guide, an editorial style guide for the school, and for those who don't know basically an editorial style guide is kind of like kind of like a reference book that says okay when you're writing um and you know for like am and pm either you put the periods in between them or you don't or you use the oxford comma or you don't so that's basically what a style guide is but a big part of it that i've been working on is kind of cultural entries within that um and you know again like i can only I can only do so much. And so the big, biggest thing for me has been using other resources. So there's a lot of journalistic organizations out there for, you know, people with disabilities, people with, um, you know, people who are 
neurodivergent, LGBTQ plus journalists, all of that who have their own style guides. And so I've just been pulling in their entries. And so that's my biggest recommendation is like, along with what you said, don't ever rely on, you know, the one person of color or one, you know, minority, whether that's from sexuality, gender, whatever in your, you know, place of work or place of school or worship or whatever. Don't just rely on one person. Don't assume things. And the other thing is, there are so many resources out there already. I mean, I think it's, it's nice to ask the people in your life that you know, but a lot of this work has already been done by people who have these identities and those resources are out there and they're, you know, they're just a Google away. And so, you know, instead of kind of putting that burden sometimes on the people in your life that you know, which it can be a burden after, after it's over and over and people are coming to you over and over again, um, just know like people have already done that work and it's ready to be picked up. Don't be lazy. Also, by the way, this could be a deal breaker for us. Oxford comma or no, because you brought it up. Oh, absolutely. You, can, you don't need to say anything else. You're Oxford fine. Comma Club. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Damn, not have the. They don't put two pieces. No, it's not millennials. I'm so tired of this. You're right. <laughs> You're a millennial. I will say, I mean, maybe it is that the, the Oxford Comma is a vestige of of colonialism and from the UK and, and the English language. But you know what, that is that is one that I will gladly because um, keep because it just makes sense. Journalists think that one little comma is gonna make their word count better and it pisses yeah. me off. My friend's yeah. like, it's a journalism thing. I'm like, it's a stupid thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it can make a difference. You leave the comma out. Two spaces after periods, unless it's an email. Please, people, when people are proofreading your crap, it helps. Just saying. Now you're getting crazy. Okay. All right. I will say we've got a Gen Xer, a Gen Zer, and a millennial here who have just had an episode in perfect harmony and everything's fine. And I was, I was going to punch someone in the face, though, if they said no Oxford comma, though. So maybe not. Maybe our civility is always teetering. I would say, I mean, so like, I, I'll just say like, I was born in 95 and I find this an interesting thing too, is like, oh God. I often straddle like, am I, because I remember a pre-internet and pre-social media society. So there are in some ways in which I feel like the youngest millennial, I don't, yeah, I would say I'm more of a millennial than I am a Gen Z because just the other day. You know what? You spent the whole time we worked together telling me that I was too old for something and like I wouldn't understand because I'm older and my generation. So I don't want to hear that, Lewis. I'm old enough well, to be I, Lewis's mother. So I'm out on this whole thing now. I'm done. I'm done. I you know, I guess well how how the tables have turned because just the other day I had to send a text to my brother and was like, <laughs> what is Discord? What is that? Like, why would you use Discord? Why is this a thing that all my students, you know, are using and talking about at the school? So I, I, I have awesome. reached that point in my life. So You're a little bit, you can have a little bit of schadenfreude there. Lewis did teach me what being extra was and what it meant to be doing the most, which I use all the time now. <laughs> all right. Is there anything else we need to say before we close out with the guest questions? Other than, Louis, I love you so much. I know. Well, I love you too. Thank you so much for, how, this is kind of like a dream come true. I've been a, a long time listener, first time caller in. 
this is very exciting. I've had a, I've had a great time. Poor Lou, you you know you listened to us before anyone else. You listened to us in the early days, so you are our. I mean, truly, just you're it. So, yeah. I mean, well, we thank you. Have, yeah, thank you for holding our favorite guest. Yeah, no, thank you, Louis, because it is it. I mean, even I consider myself, I guess, culturally woke. Um, that whole term, that whole thing, but like even like hearing interracial um, adoption, things like that, like that's just even hearing it said, you know, that's, that's a way I, you know, at least I can then go forward saying, hey, this is a thing to think about. Like, let's talk about this. I have, I have humans that this applies to that I know, like you need to consider these things. And because I do want to be an, I always want to be an advocate for all people, uh, you know, that I can be. And, and this is one that does personally, you know, touch my heart and, you know, because I care about you and, you know, my, like my boss's girls and all that, and that, you know, people need to be aware of these things simply to maybe even keep them from being jerk, even inadvertently, you know? And again, just bringing it back, like transracial adoption is nothing but in general, in like most cases of the other people I've met that I know in my own case, um, nothing but a net positive because it's better to be Absolutely. in a home where you're loved than to not be in a home at all. And, and again, like, did my parents get some things wrong? Sure. But they got a lot of stuff, right. And everybody's you know, I, parents get things wrong. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And I could spend a whole, you know, episode talking about all the stuff that they did right to, especially when they were really, you know, on the forefront of being yeah. gay, interracial couple, transracially adopting kids. I mean, they had a lot of stuff to navigate. And so sure. Did they, did they, were there some things they got wrong in retrospect? Sure. But they didn't exactly have a roadmap. There was nobody, you know, who could tell them how to navigate this stuff either. And so I just, I have nothing but gratitude and love and, and all of that stuff, because, you know, the stuff that I've had to navigate, you know, within my own identity and stuff, I mean, that pales in comparison to, you know, uh, just growing up home where I was loved and where, um, you know, that enabled me to kind of live the life that I'm living now, which is largely a good and happy and positive life. Yeah, I mean, they blazed a lot of trails. I mean, they're, they're cool. That's badass what they did. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I'm dry. I, I'd love to drive up and have a family reunion, but the, on the, <laughs> in the Puerto Rican side of family. Cause I, <laughs> I, will, I will do much better there. Like, let's just be honest. They will be a lot more accepting of this situation. Um, just because it's, you know, I'll just slide right in. But thank you for being open and vulnerable, Lou. <laughs> yes. Yeah, of course. Um, all right. Our guest questions at the end instead of the beginning. Sorry. Number one, are you a feminist? Yes. What do you yeah, think? absolutely. I mean, for me, feminism is exactly what you all talk about. It's equal opportunity. It's equal. It's equality. That's what it's all about. Not about, you know, men being lesser than women or women being greater than men. It's just about everyone having equal opportunity, equal access, um, you know, growing the closing the gaps where they need to be closed. Um, that's that's what it's all about for me. Okay, what do you think of feminism? Say, what do you think about feminism? But you kind of dropped yeah. Oh, oops. <laughs> well, I think I think feminism is great. I think it's fantastic. Um, yeah. Um, 
who do you think of when you think of feminism? Oh, that's an interesting question because I grew up with all guys, right? Mm-hmm. Like I did not have a lot of female energy in my life growing up. Um, Cause again, two brothers, two dads, even our dogs were all, I never <laughs> had, I always grew up thinking, I always heard that. Yeah. I just never had like any, I have two dogs now. One is a, an old lady um, and she's great, but I always, you know, even grew up with all men dogs. Um, <laughs> yeah. I just really had no like major female influences in my life. You know, I will say actually somebody that I think of when I think of as a feminist in kind of a different way is my white grandmother. Um, my white grandmother, she, like I said, my dad grew up in a very conservative church um and and so she did too um and in a lot of ways some of the just some of the things i i see about her they, she kind of bucked some of the normals in that church and even just as a woman there's a story where um she was working in a bank in minneapolis as a young woman and she they were one of like the first you know banks to kind of get like a computer or like some sort of you know automated banking machine um and they just wouldn't teach her how to use it because she was a woman and so they wouldn't let her go further in that company even though she had the desire she wanted to get the education she wanted to you know further her career and all of that and they just wouldn't teach her because she was a woman Um, and so, you know, there are just things that I think about my grandmother is like, she did, um, you know, she didn't just, and and it must've been very difficult for her because in that community, I mean, the church was largely made up of families. It was one of those kind of churches where like a lot of the people there were probably related to you in some way. And so, you know, between like coming to acceptance with my dad's sexuality um, her own, you know, dealings with um, misogyny and discrimination in the workplace. Um, she is somebody who I think of, you know, she wasn't, and I don't think she would today, like consider herself an activist or a feminist or anything like that. But in her own kind of quiet way, um, she was somebody who, or she is somebody who I think has made difficult decisions when it would have been easier and a lot more accepted to look the other way or do something different. That's awesome. Cool. Yeah. Really cool. Okay. Last one. Fun one. What was the last thing you Googled? Ooh, I might have to pull up my phone to look. Um, I don't know. Let's see. It's probably something dog related, honestly. <laughs> I would believe Yeah, it that. was. This is kind of embarrassing. Like most of my stuff, most of my life revolves around my dogs. Yeah. Um, I the, the last thing I Googled was, is it safe for dogs to eat smoked salmon? Um, That's so cute. <laughs> because I have some, I, I just had some smoked salmon and I was wondering if I could share it with them. Um, and the answer, by the way, is no. Because apparently it has too much salt for dogs. Yeah. So do not uh, do not feed your dog salmon. Thank you for sharing that. I definitely would have given Francis some and probably have at some point. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think like, you know, you can probably give him like 
a little piece. Well, I, okay, so this is bad too, but I was really not thinking of just sharing with, I was thinking of giving them like a whole filet because um, I bought like a bulk package of sand. There's no way I'm going to eat it before the expiry, expiration date, which is like tomorrow. And so I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm not going to eat this whole thing of salmon. So if I can give them some salmon, I will. Um, but no, they cannot eat more than like a little, you know, morsel. Oh, so you have, you have cool dogs. Would you, can you share real quick? Your oh yeah. Yeah. I have uh, two retired racing greyhounds. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're wonderful. One is Earl. He just turned seven. Um, and the other one is fame and she has been 10 since August. And yeah, just a quick plug. I mean, the Florida race tracks closed down um, either last year, 2019. And so there are a fair bit that are up for adoption around the country. Retired racers make um, great apartment pets. They're very quiet, clean dogs, almost very cat-like in a lot of ways. And so um, if you have an opportunity to, you know, adopt a retired race, I would say go for it because greyhounds make great pets. So makes you just another way you're an amazing human. And one more reason Florida's awful because we just gave up dog racing. Like what the fuck is wrong with all of us from Florida? Like literally we are the worst. It is a yeah. lawless wasteland. <laughs> it is. I mean, look, it made me, but like, what the fuck? Like really? And there's Disney World, Universal and some wonderful humans in Florida. But other than that, like it's the land of though, Casey Anthony, okay? I'm a, I'm a, I'm out on that. You could get rid of Disney World tomorrow. I'm fine. Sorry, but. So a phrase that I learned from my youngest brother, Alex, is like kids today will say blank woke up and chose violence, right? And, and so it means, it basically means like someone's being chaotic or they're being, you know, messy, um, kind of on purpose. And so that's what I think about when I'm I think about Florida it's like just Florida as like an entity wakes up every day and chooses violence yeah. it's just like a chaotic place um that's, I just yeah I tell people so the first time anybody who now like from here no like when they know me and stuff and it's like I'm I'm a little bit of a lot um for most people and then they'll go visit Miami and come back and they're like I get it <laughs> And I'm like, now I don't like, I should just send everybody down to Miami, let them see what that's all about. And then I'd have to stop explaining myself as much. I mean, cause then it's like, oh yeah. I'm like, you forget where I grew up. Like you forget what I had to survive. <laughs> okay. So back off, like, you know, like pythons hanging out of trees and like Lizard making pancakes in the middle of the road. The iguanas and fall from the trees when it gets cold. I mean, this is great. I love it. They got hurricanes. They're like alligators walking on the golf courses. <laughs> I mean, the mosquitoes. That's our they, the bath salt sky. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we could go forever. I mean, literally. And that's just, forever. we're literally only talking about South Florida there because there's a whole bunch of swamp people in the rest of the state. So, <laughs> And backwards ready. You know, the reason that I found out there are so many from Florida's is, and I don't remember what the exact thing is, but something about Florida freedom of information laws makes oh it gosh. so that it's very easy to publish those stories down there and for journalists right. 
to get that kind of information. So, I mean, let's let's be honest. The rest of America is messy as hell, too. Um, like, you know, we just don't have those kind of laws that let us air it out into the into the open. There's there's for sure a lot of messy people in Tennessee and New Hampshire. I can I can I, guarantee that. That's exactly it. It's just like yeah. when the alcohol, I love how this they just drive across county lines to buy their alcohol. It's the same idea. Just sit in your self-righteous little prism. It's fine. We're I do love how this episode about respecting other people and their culture <laughs> into a Florida bashing. Florida, I could do it. I allow you guys. I give you permission. We're <laughs> we're monsters. Fine. I'm still All right, well, there longer than here. So what can I say? So wherever you're from, you can find us at thatotherfword.com. <laughs> you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram at that other F word pod. Um, and rate us, subscribe, review us, be like Lewis. And Lewis, yeah. can you hit him with the tagline? If you, I mean, you know it, right? Cause you listen all the time. Yeah. Am I just doing it solo? Or are we going to do it like word by word? No, no. <laughs> Moment, right. moment in the sun. All right. Uh, feminism isn't a bad word. Thank you, Lewis. You're our favorite.